matter? Oh, come on, Joe. I got dishes to do. I said leave it alone. With you nuts or something? You yell at me to come watch Channel 10, and when I drop everything, you... What's the matter, Joe? Is the set still on the blink? Yes. Uh, that is no. Well, there must be something screwy. You know there's no Channel 10 around here. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. Hey guys, it's Terry here. And oh my gosh, it is it's a new day. Uh it has been oh over a year, right? Uh since you and I have been in the same room recording together. I mean, not that we haven't seen each other in passing. Like it's just like, you know, our wives take us to like, you know, Terry and Paul play dates and we'll see each other for a minute. But in terms of podcasting, we've been, you know, we've been distant and now we're in the same room again. Because we're fully inoculated and ready to get into. Um, are we inoculated for the plague or this episode? I don't know which. That's. I guess that's a good question. I'm kind of hoping it kind of carries over. I hope so because I feel like whatever this thing was trying to to do to me, it may have killed me. Because I, I mean, know. like, what what did it cover? It covered like dysentery. It covers the uh, smallpox. Like, what, what? It covers this episode. Hopefully, yeah. Like, it, it covers uh, repairmen that sound like Winnie the Pooh. I it's don't like know. vitamin um, C. Vitamin C cures everything. You heard this, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I did drink a fair amount of bleach mm. uh, before we started recording. <laughs> no, uh, no. I, I, I'm trying to think. What was we the last episode? It was a season four episode that you and I did together in person. Yeah. I think so, right? It was season four, somewhere in there. Because um, I know, I think Jezebel was one of the last things that we oh. did in person. And then we did, then we did one <laughs> other one in season four. Because I don't think we did any season season five in the same room. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't believe think so. So, no. Thank goodness that we're um, in the home stretch and we can be the, be in person again because as much fun as has been recording every episode, having somebody in the room makes it a lot more fun. Yeah, de- definitely. I feel a lot more comfortable being in the same room while recording. That's just me. I have a lot more fun doing it this way. And you and can tell when I'm going to shut up. <laughs> exactly. I can, I can see your face. It's it's, so, a, it's wonderful to see your beautiful yeah, face. Yeah. Man. And so that, anytime that now you guys will hear an awkward pause, it's just because Terry's just looking at me with like disapproving not waiting for me to be to shut up and then then quietly be disapproving of me there's a difference there big difference and uh, you you will see a bump in quality too that is one of the things that has plagued me this entire time i can't have the same quality that we we recorded in the past with and i'm like no we got to give our our listeners the best we got to be the best i'll give you credit though like when you when you up upgrade your headset game like everything was fine in terms of like recording. Yeah, thank you for that. Well, that, that's that's not what I meant, but no, it's like, no, it's seriously like um, Skype is is actually not the worst thing to record over in terms of audio quality. So right. like it and it sounded you know I, I didn't have a problem with it. So anyway, but we're in the same room, so that's good. Woot. And I hope you guys enjoyed our discussion about Queen of the Nile uh, last week and uh, creepy older daughter staring at people in the distance. Um, but we're on to something else now. We're on to season five, 
episode 24, What's in the Box. Uh, air date was March 13th, 1964. Number one film, Kiss and Cousins. We talked about that last week where it's Elvis uh, with dark hair and Elvis with blonde hair. Uh, and the dark haired one wants to set up a missile silo or something. I still really want both Elvis, Elvi to kiss each other. I would really hope that where the movie would go. But that's the plural is Elvi. Sure. Why not? Right. Yeah. Well, because like there was an upside married with children at one point where they had a bunch of different Elvis impersonators in like the house. Yeah. And I think Peg referred to them as Elvi. Ah, and I've never. Yes, I, it's, it's something about that stuck in my head. It's like, look at all the Elvi. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of multiple Elvis impersonators, did you know that was one of uh, Tarantino's first screen credits? He was an Elvis impersonator on an episode of the Golden Girls. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. I, I just wa- recently watched that episode. I love oh, the Golden Girls. There you go. Girls. Perfect. Yeah. Get out out of here yeah they were so, at a wedding and they sing yeah it. so there was a bunch of elvi there and one it, of them was tarantino so. awesome well yeah. i'm gonna have to look closer for that <laughs> <laughs> so number one song was i want to hold your hand by the beatles uh surprising nobody uh so then all right um for day and date in regards to what happened this day it's actually this is actually a pretty big story it actually kind of was one of those ones that um we had just gotten past, uh, you know, the assassination of President Kennedy. So the 60s was taking a turn in terms of like the national view of like, you know, like hope and like, you know, possibility. Th- um, this th- this day uh, was the murder of Kitty Genovese. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. It's was one of those big, like big stories reported at the time. And it's kind of had some reverberations since. No, I, I I don't really know anything about this. So here, uh, I, I'd heard about this previously. Uh, what had happened was, and th- this is what the Wikipedia, how, I'll read it as it says here. A cautionary tale and not wanting to get involved happened with the murder of Kitty Genovese took place outside her apartment building in an upper middle class neighborhood of Kew Gardens in New York and in Queens. Uh, the New York Police Department investigators were dumbfounded to discover that 38 different respectable law-abiding citizens admitted that they had heard that they had witnessed the crime, but none of them had telephoned the police until more than a half hour later after the killer had returned to the scene a third time to stab uh, Catherine Genovese to death. Um, so um, what happened was where this this took place, she was being accosted and all these people around heard, heard it. But they didn't want to get involved because they thought, well, somebody else will call the police. And no one did. And this got reported nationally. And it was one of those, like, you know, take a look in the mirror moments for the country. Um, so that was a big deal. And it's kind of haunted a lot of, like, like the, the country's, like, consciousness. And also, like, um, there's actually a, a bit of this in um, Alan Moore's Watchmen. There, he mentions it briefly as well. So it's one of those, like, big moments of, like, we should do better. But... Yeah, the see something, do something uh, mentality. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I don't know if we were better about that or not, but it was like one of the big first reported moments of like people actively aware that someone was being attacked. And the fact that this guy came back three times, like that just tells you like, I mean, I understand that like, you know, we, we you know, I, 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 you know, I live in Cleveland proper and like sometimes it's just, I do kind of have the, the mindset of like, you know, head down. Don't don't if you if you go looking for trouble, you're going to find it, especially where I lived previously. So the, I, I get this to a point. But my goodness, like if you're actively aware that someone's getting like, you know, attacked and you don't call the police, that's that's scary. To yeah. Me, yeah. Know? Well, and, you know, it's like uh, I I'm always mindful of my surroundings. I'm like the old Italian lady at my condo. <laughs> uh, I'm always looking out the window and checking out things, making sure like everything's within the digits. <laughs> 
I can't tell you how many times I call the cops on people um, at my old apartment place. My wife likes to make fun of me about this. She's like, you are a busybody. I'm like, no, I'm just watching out for everybody. People are throwing beer bottles through people back people's backyards and everything. I was like, somebody's got to do something about it. I may not be the the, peer, the hero that everybody asks for, but I'm the, the hero that everybody deserves. <laughs> You're like Judge Dredd with a tiny D. You're like, like <laughs> yeah, that's lowercase like, low, low D, uh, you know. Uh, so, but yeah, this is one of those things. It's like it, you know, just because also with the way news was able to travel like nationwide quickly, which was never, I mean, I mean, it, it, obviously the, the speed of news has been like increasing since, you know, that, you know, technology, but this was kind of like one of those big, like, you know, oh shit, we're not great at what we do. Are we as a people, as much as we say we care about our neighbor. You know, and again, it's 2021. Um, I wish the story, uh, you know, I wish this was like, hey, and we all learned our lesson, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So that's what I have for day and date. Yeah, I, I didn't have anything. So, yeah, that's a pretty big one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, pretty sad, pretty sad thing. So, like, it didn't involve an animal or a helicopter or anything like that. But Missing pretty- ships, uh, planes yeah. crashing into uh, nearly into a uh, school. Yeah, or, or a guy uh, <laughs> like skydiving and then uh, losing his own ripcord and then falling to his death. You know, none of that, none of that fun stuff. You know. So anyway, so yeah, let's just get into our cast and crew here. All right, man. Here we go. Uh, so first, we have our director, uh, Richard Bear. Um, he this is the last of seven Twilight Zone episodes he had done. Uh, I won't mention all of them, but he did Third from the Sun. He did the Purple Testament, mm-hmm. uh, Nick of Time, and To Serve Man. Uh, one of the most memorable of the series. Yeah. It's a certain man. Okay. Uh, I'll just throw that out there. Yeah. One of the most memorable. It's a shitty episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not, I'm just telling you right now. I mean, big plot twist, but not a very good episode. Oh, not at all. No, no. And I just feel bad because, uh, you know, Jaws is in that. And, you know, I wish he would, uh, Richard Keel. Yep. I, it's like, I, you know, I wanted more for him. And, and it's also like, you know, it's a cookbook. It's like, you know, I, I, the Simpsons did it better, you know, like to, it's, it was it to cook, to cook for humans. It's like, oh, there's a space dust to cook for 40 humans like, you know, mm-hmm. like or whatever it was. Yeah. Not a great episode. Uh, yeah. However, purple Testament's is pretty solid. Um, Nick of time is one of the greatest, ep- like one of the great episodes of the twilight zone. That's the one with um, uh, uh, Bill Shatner and uh, the fortune telling machine, the devil, the devil headed uh, fortune telling machine. That's great. So I think, I think Bear always kind of, from from what you know, from the seven episodes, definitely serviceable. But he's one of those guys that just rose to the quality of the script given to him. Uh, I don't think he was one of those guys that was able to. I mean, this is me. This who am I? I'm how many things have I directed? Um, you know, sometimes you're just given the hand you're dealt. You just get through it. I don't know if he um, found ways to try to make some of this stuff a little bit more accessible and palatable. This episode certainly. He was given he was given a stacked deck against him, but I still think there could have been things you could have done to to kind of soften it a little bit. Right. Well, at least he didn't hammer it up, you know. Mm, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, but yeah, he also did a, a bunch of other TV work, including 166 episodes of Green Acres. So, and that's all I had for uh, Richard Bear. Uh, I I like to believe I've, I've never seen an episode of Green Acres, but I'd, I'd love to believe that the husband and wife all they do is to shout at each other and throw like TVs and vases at each other, and like that's how every episode ends. It's just a fist fight that ends up like you know it's slapstick. 
Rick. Well, Zsa Zsa Gabor was glamorous in it too. So well, that's true. I mean, so do you think Richard Bear directed the moment she slapped that cop when she got out of the car later? Do you remember that was like later in her life? She got out of a, like, she's being pulled over for something. She just slapped a cop. <laughs> she just became method later on. Well, because even, even in the first naked gun movie during the credit sequence with um, the car, when you see her get out of a car, she takes her purse and slaps the top of the car, the, the credit sequence of the naked gun. Yeah. So she was kind of known for slapping a cop. <laughs> yeah, she was a real gem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so next we have our writer here is uh, Martin uh, Goldsmith. Uh, we'll see him a little later, but uh, he did uh, one episode of Playhouse 90 as well, but I didn't really have any other credits for him. No, um, I think this is only Twilight Zone unless you found something else. He, he'll be back. Oh, good. Wonderful. I <laughs> know uh, he, he was friends with uh, producer, producer, uh, William Frog, and uh, he and he asked Martin to write a script for him. And I know that's a little bit of the trivia. There's not much for this episode. So Goldsmith was kind of doing this as a favor for Frog to kind of like get the episode count like complete, you know. So, I mean, I'm not against like people reaching out to different voices writing for the Twilight Zone. I mean, it's an anthology series. That's the whole point, right? Like to get different voices, have a lot of fun with this. So you, you can get... But you sometimes get people that you can tell it's like, this isn't really my wheelhouse, but I guess you want me to write an episode. Much like that um, I Dream of um, Genie episode that we covered season four. That guy's like, I don't know, three wishes, but then it's a dream. And then the guy becomes a genie. Like he didn't have any idea how to write for the Twilight Zone. Um, so it was um, a big enough sandbox that they could have other people come in and, you know, we've had some very memorable episodes from one-off writers and yes. then we've had some real garbage ones too. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, yeah. It, it, so it is. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, now on to our cast here, we have Joan Blondell. Uh, she plays Phyllis Britt, uh, two play, uh, two episodes of Playhouse 90 and she was in Greece. Now I know she had a, a, a career outside of that. These are the only two things that I know of. Do you have any other? I do. So actually, she's a pretty big deal. Uh, so during the Great Depression, Blondell was one of the highest paid individuals in the United States in regards to her uh, movie output. Uh, she had a stirring rendition of a song called Remember My Forgotten Man and the Busby Berkeley production of Gold Diggers of 33. Um, there was multiple uh, films called Gold Diggers of whatever year, Busby Berkeley. You would you, recognize these things from some of the overtop dance sequences where you'd have the women doing kick lines and then being like the overhead shot of like the people swimming in a pool. Like there's a lot of that kind of pageantry to that. So a lot of this was done before the production code. So a lot of it was risque. And so she was kind of one of those people is out in front being like this, like, you know, sex bomb in front of everything. And her, like, if you go back and look at some of her early pictures, beautiful, gorgeous, yeah. right? I'm not, you know, I mean, everyone gets older, like, so I'm not yeah. like, whatever. Right. Um, like, you know, back in my gold digger days, like I was, I was a catch, but not now. Um, so, so she had like, she had some pull. And that song uh, became an anthem uh, for people that were uh, frustrated with unemployed, sorry, became an anthem for the frustrations of unemployed people and the government's failed economic policies um, in the 30s because that's, you know, obviously the Great Depression, right? Uh, so then uh, she, in 37, she starred opposite Errol Flynn uh, in The Perfect Specimen. So she, you know, had some some big star billing. By the end of the decade, uh, by the end of the 30s, she had made more than uh, nearly 50 films, she left Warner Brothers in, in 39, and then she uh, did some like theater work and came back in 1950 to Hollywood. Her performance in a film called The Blue Veil in 51 earned her an Academy Award nomination for Best Actress's Supporting Role. So she has some pedigree, you know. Uh, nothing against her. Again, I, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of this, like I would blame a lot of the script. I'd also blame even the director because I think the director has a say about how performances are actually completed. Um, but you know, I, she, she has a history and I wish, I wish we would have seen her in something, another episode. Yeah. She was, there's something to be said about her performance in this and we'll get to that, but I think um, she did what was asked of her. I don't right. know if what was being asked of her was fair. Right. Let's just exactly. put it that way. So, but yeah, so moving on here, we have a, uh, uh, this one's going to give me a, a little bit of trouble here, but William uh, Demisar. Demarest? Demarest. Yeah. Yeah, that looks right. All right. So uh, he plays Joe Britt, um, Phyllis's husband. Um, he was in uh, some Alfred Hitchcock Presents episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Viva Las Vegas with the aforementioned Elvis. Kissing his cousin. No, right? I don't know. Um, yeah. And then his biggest credit, though, is 215 episodes of My Three Sons. Yeah, he was the uncle on that. So, yeah, only Twilight Zone appearance. He looks like one of those guys that you would just the plug and play of, like, grouchy, you know. Grouchy old dude. Yeah, whatever. That's yeah. fine. You know, again, what he was asked to do in this episode, I get it as well. But we'll we'll, we'll get to, like what happens but you know yeah he looked he looked familiar that's but there's a lot of guys that could have probably been put in this role exactly nothing against him though just right. just making that statement so that that's my only credits for him uh and next we have a uh, sterling holloway mm-hmm. uh, he plays a tv repairman in this episode lots of voice work for this gentleman uh bambi alice in wonderland jungle book the aristocats but if you close your eyes you'll know who he really is. He's Winnie the Pooh. He's the original Winnie the Pooh. He's Winnie yeah. the Pooh. Because um, once he, you know, he he didn't do it long because now, oh, uh, is it Jim Cummings? Jim Cummings is Winnie the Pooh now. And so he actually, um, you know, took the torch pass like from Sterling Holloway. Mm-hmm. But, and, but like you hear him talk in this episode, you're like, holy shit, that is Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I had the VHS yeah. of the the movie that he voiced, yeah. uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Holloway. And, I, just like you know exactly mm-hmm. who it is from the get. Yeah, and it's funny because like so um in um oh in Night of the Meek, which is a season two episode, it's the only Christmas episode they ever did, there's a guy that plays a bank teller, and I forget his name right now, but he he's the voice of Piglet. And you listen to him that episode, you're like, that's Piglet. Yeah. <laughs> like so it's like we have uh like and just we have two of uh you know of of, of Pooh and Pals and this uh you know Pooh and Pals. I don't know yep. what to say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was so, trying. I was trying to think who the original Eeyore was because I like I don't or Tigger, but I don't have those names off the top of my head. But we have, you know, there's a lot of Disney voice people that show up in the Twilight Zone. But yeah. watching this a second time because after I was like, oh yeah, I'm like, holy shit, that that's Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, yeah. it's it's wild to hear it. Considering that, like, I think that's his actual voice, and then Jim Cummings to take that right because it's not. It's because sometimes when people do a voice acting like uh, like you know Jim Henson. He, you know, he was Kermit the Frog and then other people do Kermit the Frog. It's like, eh, you know, but Jim Henson was kind of talking like himself. Yeah. It's like Frank Oz too. Like you hear Frank Oz's voice. Yeah. Like that's like my childhood right there. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like when people, like when other people do Yoda, it's like, that's, it's, it's, it's there, but not there. It's like nothing, again, nothing wrong with any of that, but cause you know, people have to, people get older and they don't do voices anymore. But like, yeah, this was surprising to me. Yeah, I, I love to see these uh, these voice work people come up, and uh, we've had plenty of them in this season too. So, yeah. Uh, uh, next here we have Sandra uh, Gold. Gold, I think. Yeah. So she plays woman. Um, one other episode of The Twilight Zone. Uh, yeah. Cavender is coming. Uh, yeah. No. Right, so, nope. Nope. Moving nope, on. Nope. Uh, that's that's the one Carol Burnett episode that you're like, oh, it's Carol Burnett. I. 
And it's like you want like you want that episode to be good. And it's another one of those weird backdoor pilots where it's a guardian angel thing again. Yeah. Stur- the, the, Rod Sterling had like a hang up about a guardian angel, like leading a show. <laughs> I don't know. He's like, but no, there. no, but you guys didn't hear this one. Yeah. Hear this yeah. pitch. Um, but she was also an episode of Hawaii and I. So right. as well. yeah. and, and also, sorry, I'm cutting you off, but we're in person. So you can see me cutting you off. Yeah. And I just, I, I and I also <laughs> but you did, didn't use a turn signal. <laughs> yeah. And I also, I used to, I, I want to take my finger, run it under my neck and be like, like I'm cutting you off anyway. So she uh, took over the character of Gladys Kravitz on bewitched. After Alice Pierce passed away, the reason to mention that is because Alice Pierce had also been in the Twilight Zone. So we've had, we now have both Gladys Kravitzes from uh, Bewitched on the series. There we go. Yeah, that was uh, that was my last credit here that yeah. I was going to list. Um, so and next here we have uh, Howard Wright. He plays the judge. Uh, he is in one other episode of Twilight Zone, The Jungle. Yeah, that's it. And Johnny Midnight. Oh, you picked up the. I didn't oh, see the Johnny Midnight. Woo! Gotcha. Right, there we go. Right, so we got we got the the full the full. Oh thing man, we, we got we got the Hawaiian Night and Johnny Midnight. Yeah, and we're going to get um, a, a Twilight Zone uh, staple in the episode. I'll tell Damn you about that when we get are, there. Yeah, there it's so. coming up. Um, uh, I'm looking through the turn. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, here, I got I got we got to celebrate that here. What? That cat was a witch. I don't know what that means, but we yeah. got to celebrate it. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so next we have uh, Herbert Lighton. Lighton. Yeah, that's it. Uh, he plays uh, Dr. Saltman. Uh, War of the Worlds. Okay. And the Ten Commandments. Good on you. I, only, I, I looked. I was like, oh, only Twilight Zone episode. Also with the name Dr. Saltman. It sounds like he's in the pocket of big sodium, so I wouldn't trust anything he says there. <laughs> yeah. That, you don't want bloated feet. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah. have you guys had more salt in your diet? It's like, I don't know, I need more iodine salt. You know, anyway. And here we go. Yeah. You you teased it. Robert McCord. He is back again. Uh, he plays, well, he plays the electric chair guard. Um, and that's that's kind of a spoiler. But, um, but yeah, this is one of 32 credited Twilight Zone. Yeah, lines. that's right. It's the 28th of 32. Credited. Collect them all. So we're getting close to the end of the McCord era. Uh, that isn't what I was talking about. I'll, I'll tell you about when we're getting to oh. in the episode. There's a Twilight Zone staple that uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see show up again. We'll talk about when we get there. Uh, uh, did you have anybody else in terms no, of? No, that's uh, it. Okay, for so I have a couple here. Ted Christie as the Wild Panther, one of the wrestlers. Only Twilight Zone episode. However, uh, he was in Requiem for Heavyweight, the Playoffs 90 script that Serling did that got him kind of like there. So I've been listening. Um, I've been listening to uh, Ann Serling's As I Knew Him. Uh, that's the daughter of uh, Rod Serling. And it's and she wrote a book about her relationship with her father. I've been listening to the audiobook, which she's been narrating. And it's been wonderful. Um, so play, uh, Requiem for Heavyweight and there's another script she wrote called Patterns were the two that just launched him to the superstardom in terms of attention. So anytime you see a reference to Requiem for Heavyweight, which I've not seen, you got a reference. In. So Ted Christie was in that. So I think that was great. Um, so what else we have her, uh, Tony Miller as an announcer, um, only twice his own appearance, 1957's attack of the crab monsters. I just, I don't know. That's a great name of a movie. Um, and also he was in both live action TV shows for the incredible Hulk and the amazing Spider-Man. Woot. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. And then, um, I have, uh, Mitchell rain as the neighbor, Second of two Twilight Zone episodes was in The Fever uh, with the talking uh, slot machine. Uh, Ron Stokes is the car salesman. I just, nothing else of note. Just his voice is weird. You may or may I hear him at the end of this episode. He's a cowboy. Ugh, it's just weird. <laughs> uh, and then John L. Sullivan as the Russian Duke. Only acting credit. Like, I just, like, I like, he's like, hey, can you dress up as a wrestler for a minute? Sure. Like, I, that's the kind of role I would take. 
Like just, you know, what, who are you? I'm the Russian Duke. His spandex. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. That's our cast and crew. Let's uh, let Mr. Sterling take it away. Portrait of a TV fan named Joe Britt. Occupation, cab driver. Tonight, Mr. Britt is going to watch a really big shoe. Something special for the cabbie who's seen everything. Joe Britt doesn't know it, but his flag is down, his meter's running, and he's in high gear on his way to the Twilight Zone. Sterling's Ed Sullivan impersonation is not the best. When he says his flag is down, I'm like, wait, what? Is that like... Oh, it's a cabby thing. Do you know what I'm talking I, about? Yeah, I know okay, what he's yeah, talking about, but I'm like, it, it, it sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, considering the, 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 um, where he, his marriage, yeah, his flag is down. Uh, so, yeah. uh, no, but a like, really big shoe. Like, you know, I was just a like, really oh, big look, shoe. Yeah, yeah, look at that. So... Um, yeah, uh, they reference that in Pe- Beavis and Butthead, I think. I'm, sh- I'm sure they do. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so yeah, this, this episode, where do we start with this? I mean, I, I obviously I know we start at the beginning, but, uh, there, there, this is one of the more outside of the incredible world of Horace Ford, which just, I think we covered a year ago at this time. Yeah. This is one of the shoutiest episodes I think we see of the Twilight Zone. And that says something because this is half the length of that episode. And this thing is as screechy and shouty as all get out. And uh, from the jump, I don't like either of these people. <laughs> no, they just seem real trashy. But, well, to put it to put it simply, like I, I these are the kind of neighbors that I would call my landlord on. Be yeah, like, no, you'd be calling, be like, "Hey, someone's throwing a beer bottle." <laughs> yeah, you, you would be uh, you'd be judge dreading it. Like, I don't know what's going on down there. You got to investigate. I am the law. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So we get the so we begin with um, the scrambled TV, right? Uh, and I, and I you, if if you're watching, you're paying attention. At the very end, you can hear Surly talking about an episode of Twilight Zone, so that's kind of fun, right? Um, but it's a layo, you know, it's whatever. Like you and I grew up in an era in which still um, TV was broadcast via antenna, so we can relate to the scrambled TV. I know the struggle. Yeah, I mean that's not all something you youngsters don't know the struggle. No, <laughs> none of you guys understand being a teenager and trying to understand. Oh, is this Cinemax at night? Can we see a boob? Maybe you know, like anyway, you know, <laughs> you know, talk, you know, the scramble challenge. You're it like, doesn't oh. count unless you see a nipple, man. <laughs> Um, you know, channel 10 has the nipples at night. That's what I heard. Uh, so, uh, the, the TV was on the fritz, right? So, but as the, as Winnie the Pooh's repairing the TV, uh, Joe is in the kitchen having dinner. Uh, and, um, you know, I always write as her, I'm sorry. Her, the, the wife's name Phyllis. is Phyllis. Yeah. Um, you know, he's like, oh, this is like corrugated uh, cardboard or whatever he says. Something about being like, it's, it's good. It's but like, it tastes like corrugated cardboard or whatever. And yeah. then she just like, you know, like if I didn't have to reheat it like seven times or whatever. So immediately there, what, what was the name of that, um, that comic strip? Was it the Lockheed's or whatever it was? It was always the, the, the husband and wife always yelling at each other. At the oh, the panel. dude, the old dude with the hat, like the, the red hat. It wasn't Andy Cap. That's Andy Cap. Oh, yeah. Okay. But that it dude's was always like, pissed though too. Yeah. He and his wife always had it out, but there was like the Lockheed's or whatever it was. It was always like the husband and wife just like, just yelling at each other, right. you know, like, uh, that's what this is. Like, it's just, he works like long days being a cabbie, his flag going up and down. <laughs> she stays at home and slaves over corrugated cardboard or whatever. Um, it's just like they've been married for 27 years. We find out later. It's just, you know, it, they're just one of those things where it's like, they're just like, they're sick of each other, but this is life. 
You get that notion. Right. Yeah. They're, they're always on the edge of a, a an argument. I mean, this is like when I was growing up with my grandparents, like they were just fed up with each other all the time. But like, so yeah, that you know, we get this idea that he works late, he comes home, he's not really appreciating what his wife has done for him and that by making food for the first thing. Like he, he think about this, he's able to, like to supposedly provide for his wife being a cab driver in New York, right? Without her having a second job, without her having a job. What a year 1964 was, <laughs> you know, like in terms of like the single income that a cab driver is enough to cover everything, you know? Right. I mean, like, and, and, and she's home and she's making dinner and it's like, it, it is the picturesque like lifestyle that the man works, you come home, uh, your wife is able to per- provide dinner for you. Like, I mean, you're not like, you're not slumming it completely. You're not going to the soup kitchen. No. So, I mean, but he's ungrateful for that. And she's kept the food somewhat warm for him. And he's berating her about the food. And, of course, she's getting on his case. About she immediately from the jump assumes he's cheating on her. Right. Like, that's something I picked up the second time through because the, the dialogue in this is pretty rapid fire because it's very shouty. And it's just like boom, 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 um, which sometimes is great. Maybe not in this case because it cycles through the same thing over and over again. Right. But she accuses him of cheating. Uh, from the jump, and then and, and she uh, says, "Oh, you know, I might as well take that take that same uh, chance." And uh, because the butcher down at the shop, you know, he's always looking me up, probably because he wants to cut you up. But no, 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 no. <laughs> Did you like? I, I just, I just, it was a, it was not intentional. But there was a great nod to the previous episode where he's like, "She's like, he's been checking me out like I'm Cleopatra." I was like, yeah. "That's really funny, like unintentionally funny, just because of the previous episode that." There was no guarantee of the production order and the air dates of this. But I'm like, huh, that's, yeah, all right. That's a joke that shouldn't work, but it does because of the sequence of the episodes, you know? Yeah, I, I caught that too. Um, but yeah, so, you know, implying that she can go get it because she still got it. Um, and, you know, Joe, it's like, I don't want to argue, whatever. Uh, I'm going to go in the other room. I'm going to watch my wrestling. I did, I did like, he's like, we keep it down. We have company and the company is a TV repairman. <laughs> like trying to fix the TV. He's like, yeah, I got to watch wrestling. I'm like, all right, you know. I can I can appreciate that. Um, yeah, yeah. So he goes into Joe goes into the other room, uh, uh, and he starts berating the the repairman. Like he's he's telling him that he's a scam artist. Like just right right there. Like the dude's trying to take care of you. You know, fix your TV mm-hmm. up and that. I mean, because you got to watch your wrestling. Uh, and you know, he's getting berated by him. They just the whole thing know. is like, I know what you're going to do. You're going to be back there pulling like tubes out and then charging me for extra. You're like, give me the old guys tubes, uh, whatever. Whatever. Like, yeah, it's he's, just, he's just being a dick. So <laughs> I do like that the repairman's like, well, I'm done now. <laughs> like, I mean, as much as I feel like he's, the repairman's oh, a dick golly. this entire time, but it's just like, you know, he's like, okay, well, that's how you feel about it. The fi- the TV's fixed. Yeah. You know, and just imagine Winnie the Pooh saying all this stuff yeah. because it was so fun. Yeah. I wish oh, I could do Winnie the Pooh's voice. Oh, bother. The t- like, you know, like, oh, it's it's on the house. Yeah, he's you know? like, that. I, I go more Eeyore than Pooh. I'm sorry. Like, there goes my tail again. You know, like, that's more. <laughs> well, you know, and, and the TV guy, TV dude, breaks the fourth wall, kind of, Yeah. You know, as he's leaving. I was like, well, I don't like that. No. I, I didn't like that at no, all. No, that's. It's, it's a rarity. Like So it's funny that you say the fourth wall break because he also, spoiler, does at the very end of the episode where he like looks directly at the camera. Uh, there's only one other episode in which a character breaks the fourth wall. And aside from, well, Sterling does it all the time because he's the narrator. Um, the very last episode of season one, uh, when he's doing his, his outro, um, Keenan Wynn, 
like directly addresses Serling. So that breaks the fourth wall. And that's a really fun end of that episode. But um, to serve man, uh, which is also directed by Richard bear, the main character at the end breaks the fourth wall and looks at the, the looks at the viewer and, and states like the final truth. So Richard bear is the only son of a bitch to break the fourth wall twice in the series. Yeah. And, and it, I don't think he earned either one. <laughs> Let's be honest. Anyway. Well, I, uh, and it can, it can be worth it sometimes, uh, you know, like, and, uh, Ferris Bueller's day off. That's or, fun. Or but. like, I, I, I've not seen the original funny games, which I know the, the remake was directed by the same director. There's a bit, I don't know if you've seen funny games or not. Not yet. That's, that's a rough, it's watch. on my list. Ooh, it's a rough watch. There's just a bit in the movie when like the, the two asshole guys doing everything, one of them literally turns and looks at the camera and it's like, how did you think this was going to end? Like he calls you out watching this terrible home invasion film to be like, you're just as bad being witnesses to this. You're like, Oh God, I want to stop this right now. I don't like the guy looked at me. He mm-hmm. looked at me. He made eye contact. I don't like this at all. <laughs> so fourth wall break can work. Um, and I mean, unless it's the office where Jim looks every single time at the camera and just kind of shrugs. I don't know how you feel about that. <laughs> I got nothing for the office. So uh, you got nothing for the office. I got nothing for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, so uh, you know, TV dude leaves, uh, and you know, Joe's like, "All right, let's put my wrestling on." So he he turns on a TV, and all you see is the static at first, but he hears voices, and the voices they are talking about. There, there's like a conversation between a drama. woman and a man. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, what's this?" And and he he starts yelling to Phyllis like, "Hey, we got Channel Ten. Channel Ten is on here. Check it out." And uh, and he's listening. And these two voices, there's something like the woman's crying and she's talking about like how the dude always talks about how his wife is a problem, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the picture becomes clear. The static <laughs> clears out and it is Joe yeah. in his cab talking to, to woman, to woman. I think, I think. <laughs> woman. Um, yeah. So and and of course he is dumbfounded by this and drops his beer. Yeah, I mean, which, I mean, of all things, that's the right reaction. Right. You know, when you get the guilty TV, when you see an episode of Cheaters happening and you're in it, you know, you're like, oh, no, you know, whatever. Where Rich, Richard Grieco? Where yeah, is he at? But, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, he drops his beer and we get our, our uh, intro from Rod. And so as we come back in, uh, he continues to watch the what is on the screen, but as a viewer, you understand that this is a past event. Uh, the Joe actually has cheated on his wife. This is the woman like talking to him about how he should leave his wife and, you know, they should get married. And Joe says to her, like, we want two different things and that's not going to work. There's a weird comment about like, you know, like, you know, romance is this and, and marriage is this. Marriage yeah, it's like is like hamburger, hamburger and onions. And she's like, I like onions. I'm like, well, that I think you're missing the point. Yeah. You know? Like yeah, she doesn't seem like she understands the weight of the conversation and the references. Uh, and Joe is not very good with his words either. <laughs> oh, he's not. A, he, no, well, he's not. He's not. Um, he's not well spoken throughout this entire thing. Let's just be honest. Yeah. So, um, so he he goes over to the TV and he turns it off. And at that moment, Phyllis comes into the room and she's like, "Well, you know, I come in here." And what do you do? You spilled beer on this ugly carpet from your mother. Like the only thing that can make this thing better is beer stains or whatever so yeah, she nag ha- nag nag just like i mean again i mean that feels like i'm i'm when i say nag 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 
Yeah, she's being terrible too. I'm not saying that like I am on the side of Joe because I am not. Right. You know, but it's like they're she's finding every opportunity just to cut him down. Yeah, it's just like it's yeah, it's 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 a it's grading almost. It's it's a it's always going to be a war who could speak last. Yeah, with them, right? That's the status quo, and this is their nature now at this point. Um, but uh, especially the the comment about the 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 mom buying the carpet and everything too, like oh, it's ugly. Um, but she half ass cleans the beer off the carpet, which I love that. Um, no cleaner whatsoever. And um, she she wants to turn on Channel 10. Joe tells her, no, get out of here. Don't, don't touch it. You know, it, Don't worry about it's it. It's a scramble boobs. You can't know. He, well, he's he's terrified. You can tell, like, <laughs> because he's starting to per... Uh, it's this weird European softcore porn. We can't understand what's going on. It's from Belgium. It's fine. That's most of Cinemax at night. That's what it was. <laughs> like, anyway, weird teeth and body hair. That's what I'll say that. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Changing the channel back yeah, to nine, yeah. back, um, back to nine. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you grew up with, uh, with rabbit ears. Like how many channels did you get growing up? Oh, geez. Um, maybe clearly, uh, we probably got like seven channels, dude. That's, that's more than me. Like, so growing up we had, um, like I grew up in North central West Virginia. So we got uh, like, oh, uh, like our, our biggest hub was Pittsburgh. Right. So we ended up having, uh, was a one ABC station out of Pittsburgh, uh, one NBC station. So channels 11 and 12 were both NBC. One was 11 was Pittsburgh. And then 12 was like, uh, West Virginia. So it's like, you know, one was like for sports and one was for like evening news. I don't know. And then like channel seven was like the Ohio Valley. It was like, we only had like, we had like five channels, but like two of them were duplicates of other major stations. It was weird. The struggle like, still kind of exists. Have you gotten, have you tried to use the digital yes. channel? Yeah. That is still a struggle. Like, well, because like we've, we've, I've been a cord cutter forever. And I mean, granted, I know we're paying like probably the same amount of money into streaming services now. I get it. But in terms of like trying to watch like local sports, uh, we have the antenna. We have like the, the, the nice one set up downstairs and uh, it depends upon how much sunlight's coming through the house or something. I don't know. Did a squirrel run across the tree? I can't watch the Browns now. I don't know what's going on. Like it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's a fleeting single, but don't single. worry. I get six shop at home channels and seven channels in Spanish that I don't understand, but they're crystal clear. So good on the people that like that. Good on them. Like good for them to have access. I don't get it. And, and, and eight different, um, televangelist channels. Right. Like, and, so I get and, all that. Uh, and, and there's like only audio channels too. I'm like, <laughs> I like, do you, do you like grit? Do you, every time you click yeah, your grit, grits, grits, pretty grit, fun. Grit, grits, like well, it's all Westerns, but it's all like, um, 4.3 aspect ratio. So you have to change the TV to watch grit correctly. Yeah. <laughs> grit and laugh. The, those are laugh. pretty decent. The game show network was great. And then they changed it. I don't know what happened there. We used oh, to watch a bunch uh, of dirt bags. Yeah. And we used to watch weird. Uh, there was that, uh, that show. Oh, uh, what was it? Um, Oh, uh, it had Alex Trebek on it and it wasn't Jeopardy. Oh, is it the one that he did right before? Um, was it, was it, was it a Canadian show? It was a Canadian show. Yeah. And, it, and like, that's where I, that's where I got my famous, uh, my famous, this is why I like here. I like this. Do you know why they are called spoilers? <laughs> where i got that from and i think it was like double something or whatever i forget the name of it like yeah i know of what yeah. you're talking about I just, the, I, the late I, great yeah sorry i had to play some alex back right anyway you guys got gotta love it we had we had four channels growing up and that was that so yeah. anyway sorry so, I, brief digression we never had channel 10 
We were never that cool. Well, yeah, and, and so in this uh, in this storyline too, that they, they kind of they go against the the rules because Channel Ten didn't actually exist in New York either. So yeah, it's like that's one of the fun facts uh, about this time and date. Uh, but yeah, so she wants to turn on Channel oh, Ten. It was a Canadian show called Double Dare that was not Double Dare. Oh, that's what? what? Yeah. So was, was there any nose picking in that? <laughs> yeah, green it slime. Was, it was uh, Alex Trebek, and he'd send Canadians through the Alex Trebek maze, and it was an over, overly large Alex Trebek face and mustache. I you had to know. get past the mustache to get into the nose. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, and you had to awesome. You had to answer questions about geography and potpourri. No, oh. that's not what happened. Anyway. <laughs> No, all right <laughs> i guess i, I wouldn't i wouldn't uh, survive that game no show. me neither um so yeah like uh so joe pretty much uh he he pushes her away tells her to go back to the kitchen don't worry about the tv and that it's still it's still acting weird whatever so he he, he puts on his wrestling um he's a little disappointed because he was expecting to watch a tag team match yeah and it turns out to be a one-on-one so he's a little bummed out which there. like whatever it's like the card change to deal with it right. i don't know yeah, whatever it's not ufc but you know yeah um, the card uh, the card is always subject to change it's fine yeah you you watch wrestling you watch wrestling you know and if it's the what was it um the the the, the duke of new york that's not it that's from escape from new york well he was the, about to pound six slits anyway so whatever <laughs> like who cares <laughs> well, was it the great panther that's not it either um the, the wild panther the wild panther wild and panther. and the russian duke you russian. know like just let him let him fight you know like Gotta get the Duke of New York fighting, you know, uh, you know, King Tiger. You are the Duke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are number one. Um, right. Anyways. Just have him fight. Um, so, yeah. So he, he's he got that on. But you can see that there's a little bit of weariness in his in his mind. Like, yeah. he wants to go back to Channel 10 and check yeah, out. Yeah, because he just literally just saw himself cheating <laughs> in a car. So there are questions. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so he... Uh, he tunes <coughs> he tunes back in and um he sees the the exact conversation that he had with Phyllis in the kitchen while they were eating dinner. So he sees himself eating the dinner and talking to Phyllis. And like he's even more dumbfounded by this. Yeah, in my notes here I wrote he sees a very shitty episode of the Twilight Zone. I mean the beginning of this episode. Like it plays out shot for shot the same. It's he's like, what episode this is a terrible episode of the Twilight Zone. I want to change it. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> So yeah. he eats it, dude. He 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 faints. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so he he falls to the floor, and of course Phyllis hears this, and she comes in to check in on him, and she revives him, whatever. And uh, he, you know, he he's like, hey, you know, I don't know what the hell's going on here. What if I told you I saw myself on the TV, but then I also saw you too? And of course Phyllis is like, hey, all right, you're nuts. Like what? What the hell's going on here? You know? Yeah, I think he ends up calling her a stupid cow. Yeah, like, it's just, oh my gosh, she just terrible, put, terrible. Like comes in to check in on yeah. the dude. Like what a douche. <laughs> Joe's a douche. All right, but Phyllis is kind of a douche too. Yeah. But, um. So yeah. So uh, he says, "Hey, you know, of course she she gives him crap, whatever." And he's like, "Hey, you go ahead and you contact that uh, TV repair guy. You get his ass back here, or otherwise I'm gonna go down there and drag him over here." Like, I want, I want to figure out what's going on here. And she's like, all right, whatever. So, but I love this scene too, because it's so ridiculous. She goes into the kitchen to contact the dude. Well, cause at first she's like, let me call the doctor. He's like, no, call the repairman. Right. Yeah. And as she's going into the kitchen and the door is closing behind her, 
Joe throws like a statue or something at yeah. the door. Like, what is why the domestic violence here? What is going on? Like, what is this tumultuous like uh, existence like, that you have with your what wife? What was life before the TV broke? Right. You know, not good. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh my god. Like he would eat Angry Man dinners as opposed to Hungry Man dinners. <laughs> is what happened. Yeah. yeah. He is. He is very upset. Um. So, um. Phyllis goes into the kitchen and she contacts. The doctor. Yeah, instead. she calls the doctor as opposed to the repairman, which I guess in a way doctors are also repairmen, but in different ways. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and and have you had enough salt? Anyway, sorry. So to to, the, to this point, I've definitely have noticed the overacting that is going on in this yes. episode. Like every scene has to be ultra dramatic. Well, I, it's just it's it's scenery chewing, right. and it's just it is it is like. Um, it's grating, which I get. Like, okay, again, <clears throat> we're watching the 60 years removed, right? And we get that you only have a short amount of time to make an impression and you want to get the character beats across. So sometimes you you maybe want to, um, you know, accent different character traits. So, like, the, the, the viewer just watching on, like, you know, Friday night, they're in, they get it. Right. Um, I feel like we're five seasons in. If someone's watching The Twilight Zone at this point, they're probably a little bit more nuanced and understand what the expectation is. And they can see a marriage that, you know, they could see them at their throats a little bit, but this is like, it's not, it, 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 it's not just like, Oh, they've been married for years and they're just disgusted with each other. This is like an 11 out of 10 the entire time. And that is frustrating to me yeah. because that it's supposed to be played for comedy, but it's like, it is, it's supposed to be playing. You could tell that it's supposed to be like, oh, like you're supposed to be laughing at these terrible people, but it none of it feels good and none of it's funny. Like so, none of it works for me in that sense, and that's why I was saying that I think Richard Bear, like I think he didn't get the tone of the script. I think the dialogue was probably read word for word, but there could have been a little bit more nuance put into this because there should have been that notion that I'm, I'm cutting off in, in person again this time um and it's wonderful to do so uh it's just you know no, uh, you have a clear point to make here yeah. so it's fine. Yeah, i mean i don't know if it's clear but uh so <laughs> you if they've been married for 27 years there's something there whether they want to admit to it or not which we get a little bit later in this episode so you think that when she rushes into the uh, into the, the room when he fainted that we get that she still does care about him. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm so mad at you, but don't you dare die because I have no idea what I'd do with myself without you. Like, that's the notion we're supposed to get. But it, each time there's a little tiny spark of showing compassion for the other, the other partner just stomps it out hard. And it's like, so you don't get sympathy for either part. Like, you, um, we talked about watching like this type of TV growing up and, but you, you also mentioned multiple times growing up, like with, with your grandparents, they grew up in a generation that people got married and stayed together because that's what you did, regardless of how you felt about the other person. And I'm not saying anything about your familiar relationship. I just, I had grandparents too, that I don't know if they cared about each other. And like, ever since I knew them, but they were married and they're going to stick it out. Like there's that, there's that thing there that like. Um, that was very generational and that was also what society expected, but you get the notion here. It's like, like, was there ever love and you get maybe, but it just never gets a chance to actually blossom in the sense because I don't know, it just, it's sour from the start. So whatever befalls Joe, whatever befalls Phyllis, 
you don't care. You know, and that's a frustrating thing for me because if you're watching this, you're supposed to get on board and it's supposed to give you the broad strokes. You're supposed to like, care about one of them. Right. You know? no, like, no, just- and, and, and that's a really good way to look at it. There is no um, connection with these two characters and there, there's no way to understand like why you're sympathetic for either one of them. Well, like I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Like we watched uh, we, we, the, the actor that was in uh, queen of the Nile last week. I forget his name. Now he was in um, um, uh, that season four episode of voyage of uh, it was one of the last episodes. It was the one with the, the big uh, the queen, about the Lee queen, Phillips. Yeah. It was the queen, queen Anne voyage, of the queen Anne, right. Or whatever it was. That was the one passage the, on the passage. The- queen Anne, right. Yeah. Or lady Anne, whatever lady- it was. Right. And it's like their marriage was on the rocks. Right. And he was kind of a dick too. But like you, the wife at least, like you were in her corner. Like you got something out of that. And even then you still got the notion that they realized that their their marriage wasn't working, but they were going to try. And it was, I mean, it was still a strangled effort, but you kind of end up like understanding, like you could at least see like, okay, at least they care about each other. You know, this, I just, I don't know, man. And like, we're, we're almost at the halfway mark of this and you you honestly the characters become that much more grating to watch throughout yeah. the rest of this episode it's a, you you honestly do feel like they're both scumbags and i don't feel any sympathy for either one of them and we'll get to that here in a second but so yeah so moving forward here we got, we got joe and he still can't get enough <laughs> of, of what's going on so um while Phyllis is contacting the doctor, he's in the other room, turning the TV back on mm-hmm. to channel 10, and he he watches this massive fight unfold between him and Phyllis. Yeah, he, he got his wrestling match. I'll just put it that way. Right. <laughs> um, and he, like, he, they, they go all the way around the room, busting lamps, throwing things, and at the very end of the sequence, he punches he just straight up cold cocks her in the face and knocks her out the window which again <laughs> who, who can't admire a a window fallout scene in twilight Zone? that was the trope i was talking about earlier okay. there's been so many times where people have just fallen out of windows randomly in the twilight zone <laughs> um we uh, the, the gentleman that was in um i wasn't that wasn't in the last episode but there was a person or persons unknown uh that guy just jumps out a window randomly um there's an episode in season two called a most unusual camera uh, which deals with the camera taking photos of the future. Um, at least three to four people end up out the same window right. in that episode. And it's like, it's like, I always argue that in the sixties uh, windows were like the least like um, structurally like integral part of a house yeah. or a hotel. It was all sugar glass. Don't be near a window because you're going to fall out. Right. And don't forget the fever. That, yeah, that's the fever. N- that was also a window, too. Yeah. yeah. No, this that's has happened awesome multiple times. Like, that's probably the best. I'm, I was waiting for the Wilhelm uh, screen. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah <laughs> just, you just hear the Wilhelms <laughs> all the way down. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that is a trope. And I, I guess I, I didn't get that. But uh, the Roger McCord thing, I did. So, that was kind of the triple hat thing. Yeah. Um, no, no. Robert McCord, we, he's a goddamn <laughs> treasure. But I'm just saying, like, uh, <laughs> uh, people, people ended up out of windows is not unusual on the Twilight Zone. So as much as I'm not a fan of this episode, spoiler, um, as, as, as uh, Alex Trebek said, um, uh, I was I popped, like, like that's the wrestling term, like you popped for something, like you're like, oh my God, like when I saw her go out the window, I'm like, we got a window crash. 
Finally, like it's been a while. It's been a while since we had a window fall. It's pretty silly looking too. So, oh, but, uh, it's, it's <laughs> terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Actually, and I, in one of the books I had, um, the the person that did the window fall, I, I should actually look this up because it's important. The the, the lady that did the stunt, I, I don't have her name, but she's actually uh, right behind Robert McCord. The number of times she showed up in the Twilight Zone and helping in different like capacities. So this was like one of her last times, but she showed up as the stunt double in this. No kidding. Yeah. That's awesome. Well. But have you seen a, a, a most unusual camera? I have not seen that one. Well, spoiler, it's about a future telling device and everybody ends up out a window. So it just, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe you've seen it already. <laughs> and there's some annoying people on that one as well. So, oh, great. Anyway. Right, so, um, yeah. So uh, as uh, as he, uh, he just watched all this stuff on the TV mm. unfold. Um, he is, he's dumbfounded by it. You know, all he keeps on saying is Phyllis's name. He's saying, Phyllis. Oh God, Phyllis, Phyllis. And, uh, she hears him from the other room and comes in to check in on him. Like, what's going on? What's, what's the problem here? And, um, you know, like he, he says like, look at the TV, like, look what's going on Mm -hmm. on the TV. And all she sees is static. Yeah. So he's, he looks like he's losing it. Yeah. And there's a nice, like, um, like crane shot upward as he's on the ground, like, you know, pleading, like looking at the TV. And I mean, the, the, the logic of the TV doesn't make sense where it's showing past and future, whatever. Um, it's, it is what it is. It's the Twilight Zone to deal with it. But that, so that, that, so that goes from like, like aggressive, like over the top, like, like a, a comedy in terms of like, you're supposed to like, you know, both these guys are being like terrible to each other. To him, like on his knees, like pleading at the TV of like, what did I just see? Like, I think you could have picked one direction and played it either way, but splitting the middle here doesn't serve either, either thought. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like you could have had, you can't serve both. Yeah. I just, I mean, not that I'm a big fan of comedy episodes, but that's not true. There are a few episodes that have a comedic bent that I dig a great deal. They're not Sterling ones. Sorry guys. Um, But like, you know, maybe this one could have been more comedy. I don't know, but but it shows the dramatic part, which I think that's probably where it would have been better served, and it it, it keeps waffling. Yeah, and it's so. it's disappointing because, it, like you said, it's happening like this entire episode. Yeah. Um, and this is the biggest point because you again, you're trying to feel sympathetic for Joe, but yeah, because I mean, the fact that she sees static right is actually a, a big deal, and it actually pays off better later. The second watch through. You begin to wonder if this really is on him. Right. You know, and I was like, that's kind of interesting. But the episode doesn't really earn that, you know, so. So, so yeah, he gets put to bed. We get the doctor. The doctor comes in. The I, like salt that, I, li- I like that every every time the six, he's like, just put him to sleep. Let's let him, let's let him sleep it off. It's fine. Yeah. Know, he's, uh, the, he's the breadwinner. It's fine. Give him some salt. Just, like, just, just blow dart to the ass. Put, the, put him in bed. Here, here is a seven pound ham. Just eat it. <laughs> it's just it's full of dr saltman's uh ham salt and just eat it and you'll be good you know <laughs> i'm hungry <laughs> I, I just i mean i could i can go for some ham right now ham. some salted ham mm. uh anyways uh Dude, that's what that's what ham really needs is additional salt <laughs> <laughs> cured meat with more salt yum um, as brought to you by channel 10 yeah all right so i uh, and uh, you know we get the doctor he comes over he checks on joe he, he comes back to Phyllis in the other room, leaves Joe in the bedroom, says, hey, um, he's acting a little weird. He's talking about like he's he has these uh, visions. Uh, he's seen visions of him hurting you, 
killing uh, you. Yeah, he, he's murdered you. He feels like he's murdered you. <laughs> he just straight up killed you. Like, K-I-L-T. Like, yes. He yeah. killed you. And uh, he he wants to check in on him a little bit more. He's like, hey, like I'm I'm not a psychiatrist. I, I can't help this man to the the greatest of my ability right now. Bring him in tomorrow. Like we need to talk more about what's going on with him. So, I mean, at least, but then the, also the doctor like mentions this thing. Like he says, like, oh, you said he's a TV addict. And it's like, and he gets wrapped up in his shows, and maybe maybe he can't discern. Uh, you know, TV from reality. And then the doctor even goes on to be like, you know, there's times where I'm watching a medical show and I'm asking for sutures and things. And it's like, I, I'll give credit to, uh, to Phyllis and to, uh, uh, was it, uh, Blondell, uh, like the way she plays that she's a uh, Joan Blondell's like, huh? Yeah. Like basically like this guy's admitting is like, sometimes I get wrapped up on my medical show. She's like, like she just kind of shrugs off and like, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the look you get. <laughs> She is not impressed. She's like, I don't care how many plaques you have on your wall. You oh. sound like you are losing it too. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, there's media that I love, and I and I, like, I, I, I intensely watch it. Like, and I will get into it. Right, I, I, the walls never fall, and where I'm just like, this is my world now. Like, yeah. I don't, like, you start trying to climb on walls and shoot web from your yeah, uh, you know, like you know. I'm just like, I'm a Spider-Man. It's like, nope, I can't even do a push-up. Why would I even think I could climb a wall? I'm a Steadman. I'm Uh, a (laughs) Steadman. I I don't know what I shoot on my wrist, but it's not webbing. Anyway, so Um, anyway. It's just pure gravy and ham salt. Ham salt. Mm. (laughs) This got really disgusting. I'm Uh, sorry, everybody. (laughs) So, yeah. So, um, the doctor leaves. And, um, you know, we hear Joe calling in from the other room. Actually, no. Um, He hears... No, he yeah, he calls out to he calls out well, to Well, because she goes turns on channel ten and she sees static, right? Right. So then at that point, um More he confirmation. Hears, he hears things from the TV right. that she's not seeing, if I remember right, right? Like he's hearing the court proceedings and like she doesn't see it, but he hears it from the other room, if I remember right. Maybe I'm maybe I'm well, I, mixed yeah, up. so this all right, so yeah, I kinda got the timeline a little screwed yeah, up there. But whatever. so uh, either way. Um, he no, calls, no, you're right. He calls her in. Yeah. He confesses to, well, he kind of confesses. Yeah. That's the, that, that's the weird thing. So he, he's saying his heartfelt speech to her, but it also sounds exactly like he's admitting to uh, the guilt of ch- uh, cheating on her. Like, we don't know the extent of like, is it just, you've been hanging out with this lady? Like, we don't know if like. They've watched wrestling together. We don't know the extent of it, but he's like, you know, it's a lonely job. I don't know. Sometimes if someone calls you mister, you just hang out with them. And then maybe she likes beef with onions. I don't know. And I feel, and he's like, what do you say? Like, I have that starry eyed look in my eyes. Like I'm a kid again and stuff. Like you, you literally are telling your wife that you're, you've cheated on her. Like, that's what you're saying right now. And I think because of the look on her face, Mm -hmm. She can tell exactly what he's he's saying, but she wants he wants she wants him to say it out loud. Like, no, I don't get what you're saying. Yeah, what are you trying to say, Joe? But he but he's doing like this weird like half-assed confession. And right. It's weird. Um, it was like, can you like, can you blame me? But I realized that you know, after watching me murder you, I realized I love you. That, that's how you get your second honeymoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a uh, Cancun, here we come. Yeah, I can't um, wait to get to my twenty uh, seventh wedding anniversary and tell my wife, like, "Hey, I've had visions of murdering you." Can like, but I realized that that means I love you. Can we? Can we please go to the Poconos? You know, like I just like, 
I don't know why the Poconos, but it just seems like a thing you do like on your 27th wedding I, You might want to like invest in looking into a hotel and maybe how you can be a caretaker over the winter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, this is play. It's called the underlook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the undergaze. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So uh, Phyllis is not, not buying any of this shit. So she says, uh, like, oh, you know, that's it. Like done. Like, there, there's a lot of dialogue here. Um, I mean, she she really pokes the bear in yeah. a way that's like again, she has every right to be like, I'm done with you. Like that, no no fault for her to be like, I'm out. But like, she really lights the fire of like, all right, well, like considering that she was bothered, well, even before he starts trying to do his confession, she's like, every time we talk, it ends in a fight. I don't have that in me right now. That's probably the most human moment of the episode where she's like, can we just not do this right now? And it's like, and that's like the one small quiet moment. And it lasts all of like 2.5 seconds in the episode, you know? And, and then he you know, kind of confesses, but then she just goes full tilt and just rails on him. Yeah. And yeah. so she grabs her suitcase. She puts only underwear and shoes in there, which is weird. Um, <laughs> and that's when he hears the TV in the court proceeding. Yeah. Right. So yeah. she goes into the room while she's in the other room getting coats, I guess. Um, he hears, yeah, he hears a court. Uh, proceeding um and like you can tell because um the doctor is on um he's on a stand yeah a- admitting that you know that there was uh some prior knowledge to joe going a little wackadoo and um so he's like all right i gotta figure out what the hell's going on in here what what's on this tv joe storms into the living room and phyllis is still like on her tirade, trying to get out of there, she's, uh, you know, throwing slurs at Joe like crazy and that. And all she wants to do is get out of there. But Joe looks at the TV and he sees that he is on trial. He's in front of a, a judge who is handing out a sentence to go to Sing Sing. And uh, after a stint of time that he will be executed <laughs> for his crimes. So, he, of course, he's like really losing it now. Like, what the hell's going on? I don't know what the hell's, the, you know, what's what the deal is here. Um, and, you know, he looks back to the TV again and he is being put into the electric chair. Yeah. To be executed. With the dead eyes of Robert McCord. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's getting electrocuted. And then, so, like, um, you know. <laughs> He's riding I, the, the, uh, the the yeah riding the lightning lightning right? train yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a lightning chair yeah <laughs> it's just like I don't know it's like this whole thing of like if you've already seen the future self of, like of you killing your wife and then the court proceeding and then the electric chair like wouldn't you just take a moment like be like ah, you know maybe I don't want that yeah but I, nah they just it, but she keeps goading him yeah and she's swinging. Like a battle axe now, like, what do you see, Joe? What's on the screen now? And there's these close-up images of her face, and it's just so annoying. It's like it's nightmarish. Like oh my she's God. saying about like what was it like uh owl showgirls or like and, and I don't know, Poughkeepsie or whatever she kept saying, just like over and over and over again, just being grating. And then he punches the TV and breaks it. 
And that's where he gets the bloody hand that he saw in the earlier, like, future vision, right? And then it becomes that, like, we even, we forgot to even mention him taking the chair and hitting her with it. It's like, that, that's a, that's a terrible move, but also an amazing wrestling move. Taking a chair and just haul off, just haul off hitting her with it. Phyllis, Phyllis is a beast, though. Oh, no, she, she can, like, (laughs) aside from the very end of the fight. She she holds her own. Yeah, that is not an IKEA chair, dude. No. That is that is old school, probably made by the Amish. Yeah, you know? every every <laughs> ashtray and lamp in the house is broken. She's like, laughing during most of this too. Yeah, which is wild. Well, because the bit it. like the what was it, the one bit she's like, oh, you like a rough, huh? And it's like that just like that says that says a lot there that needs to be unpacked. That this episode does not give time for any of this, but he just launches into her. So that we get to the. The faded sequence of them fighting and then him hauling off and punching her and driving her out the window. So not only do we get one window crash in this episode, we get two. It's the same one, but just as glorious as the previous one. So I'll give this episode credit that I got to see two windows be broken, even though it was the same one. It was amazing. I love I don't I love Twilight Zone window crashes, so I was glad to see it again. All right. Yeah, so I mean we get that. That is that's ridiculous and fun because you know it is a twilight zone and who doesn't like uh, people <laughs> crashing through windows but I love how everybody comes yeah, through the yes. door dude everybody's yeah, everybody. like what garage sale what's going on in here yeah. <laughs> every neighbor um the police and the TV show up. It's just like everybody. Like it would have been great if like Robert McCord showed up already. Like oh, I'm here with the electric chair stuff already. Like and the judge <laughs> like, in the some. robe. And the judge coming out with the <laughs> robe and the car salesman. We didn't even talk about to show him like oh, who's here to wrestle up some like you know cow pokes or whatever. It would have been great. And the two wrestlers like the Russian Duke and like what was it um, the giant leopard or whatever his name is. Would it have been great if they all rushed it at the same time? <laughs> I w- and Rod Serling just shows up. Like I would have been amazing if all of them showed up at once. I that mean, where is great. the grandstands? Because like I, it just felt like everybody was waiting to pile in to watch a concert or something like it, that. Well, it just feels like after I talked about the literal like actual tragedy of Kitty Genovese, where no one reported anything, uh, everybody in this part building showed up for this. <laughs> like it just feels like wow, that didn't age well. The same night. You know, like, I was almost terrified to get the credits for all of those people too. I was like, no, I was like, the the, the cast just multiplied just, by it, two. It quadrupled. Like, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I don't know all these people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like it is the most ridiculous scene because you know that everybody's sitting right outside that door and the the the, the uh, casting or the production guys like, all right, I'll go now. Yeah. Uh, go, all of us. Go. go oh, wait. Go. Wait. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. Yeah. Like Richard Bear shows up as well. He's like, I thought, okay, great. Anyway, Wait, there's know. violence in here. The cops aren't holding any of us back. Okay, we're all gonna go in there. Anarchy. I think it would have been better if one of them just rushed in and just fell out the window by accident. Like just like just beelined it for the window. This episode would have went from like a two and a half to a five immediately. Right. One of them would have just like immediately. So yeah, we get the entire crowd there. Uh, everybody, everybody judging him, and then like the cops go to arrest him, and then the repairman's like, no, 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 no. I need to talk shit for a second. And the, the cops are like, yeah, that's cool. Like what? What? How's that happen? Violent criminal. What, yeah. what we, this guy could be on PCP. I mean, like, <laughs> or, or, or uh, he's clearly high on corrugated cardboard in uh Schlitz beer. Bath that's salts. Yeah, I, bat, I don't bat, know. yeah. Dr. Bath saltsman. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like he, so he, he gives, he gives, he gives him a little bit of ribbing, you know, like, Oh, 
TV worked out for you, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like, so that implies, well, because one, like, Pooh Man turns and looks at the camera, like, winking knowingly, right? Or not winkingly, but pretty the, much. The smile with his yeah. gigantic eyebrows, too, man. Like, <sighs> Dude, yeah. they they did you see they were feathered? They no, they were, like, they no, were, no, no, no. They they belong on the hundred acre wood. I get it, you know, like <laughs> so it's fine. Whew. Um, so um like I get it. it's supposed to be like be careful what you wish for. It's like, oh, you're gonna shit talk me for fixing the TV. So that implies that he knew what he did to the TV. That also implies that the TV repairman goes around and will do his job, but if anybody gives him shit, he will just he'll give the TV, you know, prognostication powers. And it's like I mean, I think that's funnier that a guardian angel is a backdoor pilot. That's the TV series I want to see is the TV repairman punishing people. How great would that be? Like, oh, I fixed your TV. Good luck. And just like you know, walk out. Right. Like, were they trying to do like a hitchhiker thing before hitchhiker was a show? Like this guy always has some kind of like little thing up his sleeve that he, he like he <laughs> encounters people and then like the. His presence changes them. I, w- I wish there would have been an episode of Friday Thirteenth, the TV series, where there was like this TV with like like with that someone standing in for the TV repairman. That would have been amazing. Uh, maybe there is. I don't know. Ne- but, yeah, like, like well, another like an uh, like connection here is like uh, needful things. You know. Yes. No. That's a good call. That's a that's a really good call. Like that's like you know. Oh, isn't this what you wanted? You know. <laughs> like, um, or even um, was it? I know you you had read. Um, oh no! Did you guys cover? Uh, did you guys read Weave World for? Uh, yes, Weave World did, is awesome. for for the book club that you had done previously. It's, it's not part of this 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 podcast, but you read Weave World, like Shadrach's coat, like like what? Here's what you want, right? Yeah, exactly. You know? like, like that's actually a, a a really good analogy yeah. to this too, because um, if anybody has uh, any inkling to want to read into Clive Barker's material, uh, he's uh, amazing when it comes to horror. But his fantasy, fantasy stuff is awesome. And there's a character that gives you what you want at a cost. Right. You know, and then they, and there's an episode of uh, Rick and Morty too, where there's a um there's a cursed store that has a guy named Mr. Needful. Yeah. Like that's like that that's yeah, but anyway, this this trope we've seen, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, anyway, it's like a little played out, but yeah. Yeah, I mean also like the notion well, the, the, the yeah, the notion of like, you know, there's something like like so the idea that like he was seeing his past sins and then his future possible transgressions. And there was the idea that he was the only one that saw them is a really interesting idea. I don't think it's effectively shown in this because even though she never sees it, she says it's just static to me. I think there's, I think there's a way through this episode that could be way darker and more interesting, you know, that darker, even darker for the twilight zone. Then, you know what I mean? Like, like something that would leave, leave him devastated where she isn't dead out the window, but because he keeps like looking at this TV that's that, that even what, what if, what if at the end when he broke the TV with his fist, right? Like after everything, they had this confrontation and he's like, can't you see? And he's still seeing everything play on this TV after he broke it. Right. It, like he has broken, broken hands. Now he could, there's no way that he could kill Phyllis with a punch. Yeah. Because he couldn't throw a punch now. Yeah, whatever. It's like she's out the door, his life is ruined, and but the TV's still showing him things. Like and how like that would have been like way darker. Like, right. Like, like the the writings on the wall when you watch this episode and you you see things through Joe's eyes, he understands what the inevitability is, but he still gets there. So if we had the TV repairman kind of, uh, guy come along and said, "Hey, you know, you didn't kill her." Uh, and just puts a hand on his shoulder and be like, 
How's that TV working out for you? And that would have been a better ending, yeah. I think. Like the 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 idea that Joe, because of different actions, he didn't kill his wife. Like I would have loved that. Yeah. So, but whatever. But, but we get the, the, the goofy the goofy TV repair guy. Like I don't know if they were trying to plant this idea that maybe he was going to be a reoccurring. Uh, member or we were I don't see know. him it's on a different series. I'm like, no, stop. It was this. trying to it was trying to have its cake and eats too of like having this comedy episode, but have tragedy, but also be like, well, it's the Twilight Zone. Think you know, like that, like, and that to me is frustrating because it's almost like um uh if I'm sure there's franchises and things that you and I both love that like uh they they have the reasons they work, but then someone says, well, you know what, I can do that too. But they take the wrong things from it, so they follow they follow the steps. But when they come out the other end, they didn't get why something works. Right. You know what I mean? Like I don't like I'm trying to think of like it's it's like all the copycat shit that you see, right? It's like you know like um as much as you and I both love slasher films, there's all these copycat slasher films like um um I don't know I like, know I know what you're gonna say. Uh, well, I, I mean I'm gonna say the burning. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. Or Madman. You know, it's Mad like, Man, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but like the burning, it's like, hey, what if we do like a camp slasher thing? But it's just like, we get everything wrong about it. Like, and like, can we make the wrong decision every single time? And they did. And that movie exists and it's not good. <laughs> you know, like, nope. and Madman, uh, outside of um, a really funny hot tub scene, none of that movie ever is like, it's a fun, it's a funny movie to watch. It's ridiculous. But yeah. they didn't get. Like they got the blueprint, but it's almost, it's almost like, you know, like you mentioned Ikea furniture earlier. It's like, I'll get the instructions and I'll follow it. But for whatever reason, I'm just missing like a level of like competence that everything's going to be rickety and never is level. Right. That's what this episode is. And you're not going to have a Phillips screwdriver. So nope. you're going to use a butter knife and nothing's going to use a butter knife. <laughs> I'm going to use a, a nickel to like to turn the screws on this stuff and hope for the best, you know. Well, Wes Craven did it to himself. I mean, because he had Nightmare on Elm Street and then he wanted to get that. He wanted to capture that same lightning in a bottle and made Shocker. Not a great can we movie. Can we cover Shocker on this show? I would love to cover Shocker. Because I've not seen that in years, but I had a lot of fun with it at the time. I don't know if it's aged well. It probably it, hasn't. No, it doesn't. But, but it's, it's Mitch Pelegi. It's yeah. Mitch Pelegi is a bad guy. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I got, it's like, he was like, I don't know. Like, I kind of want to watch that movie and talk about it. Ted like, Raimi's in it. Oh, yeah. okay. I forgot. But I just remember Mitch Pelegi being the bad guy. Yeah. Horace Pinker, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, even then, it's like you get like the DNA, right? It's like not even the DNA, but it's like you see, you see the path. You're like, I can do this. It's like it's a botch it, recipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, overcooked or undercooked, or not, or maybe not the right uh, ratio of uh, herbs and spices. I don't uh, know. Uh, like, you got your your chicken from uh, you know Marks uh, or Drug Mart, so it, it's not going to be good either way. <laughs> Drug Mart chicken. Drug Mart chicken is not good. Um, but yeah, I mean. You know, here we are. This this one fell a little flat for us. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we're not going to have a lot of not a lot of bangers coming up, I don't think, because uh, it's a very short stint that we have for the rest of this. Well, I mean, this is twenty four. I think we're at what thirty six for the season. Yeah. So uh, let me double check here. I'm going to real time, real time, uh, real time stats. We got here, the everybody. computers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there we go. How many? How many we got here for the Twilight Zone? Uh, um, Let's see here. Where are we at? Uh, 36 episodes total. This is 24. Uh, we have 12 to go, right? Or 
11, 11 or 12. I can't ever do math right. But, uh, but the next one sounds really cool, but we'll talk about that in a second. So we're, we're in, um, yeah, we're in, uh, the, the last part of the series. So, but I, I will also argue that when we get to these longer seasons, which I know you came in for season four and that was only, was it like 19 episodes or something? It was, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't as many, um, it was, sorry, 18, the bard counts as two. <laughs> That's not true. Um, you're going to get your ups and downs. And this one for me is definitely a down. Um, considering there's episodes that I absolutely like, just like spit blood thinking about. I don't know if this is one of them. It's just that the idea is kind of okay, but I would argue that if you want this idea of, um, people getting their comeuppance from a device that shows you the future, Go back and watch a most unusual camera. It's from season two. Um, and it's, um, it has a little bit more going for it than this. So that's what I'll say. Yeah. No, there's plenty of episodes in the Twilight Zone. That was definitely a trope that they, uh, exhausted at great lengths sometimes. Yeah, um, so, you know, more morality too. You know, like this is, this has a lot to do with morality. Uh, being able to change the, the way the outcome is going to be and still, not doing that. So, yeah, there you go, Joe. Uh, you still killed your wife. Good. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Any other notes about this episode of Proper? We, we have a little bit of trivia. I think it's the same one that you have. And then we'll get on to wrapping this up. No, nah, let's hear the trivia, man. All right. So, according to the Twilight Zone Companion, which, you know, I have that book here somewhere. Uh, Martin Goldsmith uh, was brought in the right the episode I mentioned because his friend with uh, William Frog on Playlist 90. So there you go. Frog, uh, Goldsmith had written Playlist 90 previously. According to uh, the Frog, Goldsmith came up with the notion of a guy looking at his own extramarital, extramarital activities on TV and trying um, to off it before his wife could see it. Martin Goldsmith would disown this episode, rightfully so. I didn't like it. It lacked all subtlety in the way it was done. I think Joan Blondell and William Demarest overplayed it. It was just too broad. I think that's fair. Yeah, and that's a that's a, a, a really good assessment uh, without being a jerk about it. Like so it, I would say that I'm going to put that at Richard Bear's uh, hand, like his feet. He was the one directing it. He was the one that called action and, and cut. And if this was a little too uh, much, he had the ability to say, like during rehearsals, let's just tone it down a smidge. I think if it was a little bit more that you gave a shit about what was going on, maybe this would have worked a little better. And for the most part, this is one, this is one set too. So like, I'm, I'm sure that the majority of this filming was done in a day because it's all done on one set. You're not going to different locations. Mm -hmm. Now you could have taken your actors aside and been like, can we change what you're doing here right now? Because the line delivery is a little bit out of scope of what we were trying to mm -hmm. achieve here. So, uh, but bear maybe thought that's what we're going with it. I don't know. So, um, Again, he directed a Shatner in Nick of Time. So if you're going to deal with uh, the human pinball that is Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But this is before Shatner became full Shatner. Like he, he, he was, went, he went full he, Shatner. He was evolving his, his, uh, his Pokemon version of Shatner. He was still evolving to final Shatner through that. So I don't know. Like, like Richard Bear, like of the seven episodes, um, I would say more misses than hits, but you got to acknowledge what he's done. He, he did one of the greatest episodes of the Twilight Zone, in my opinion. Uh, and also the Purple Testament's actually pretty good. But Nick of Time stands up there like everyone remembers 
um, the, the, the devil headed, uh, fortune telling machine. Right. So this, uh, this is unfortunately the way he goes out, but you know, we, 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 we thank you for your service, Richard bear. <laughs> uh, and also if I remember right, we should go, you guys should go back and listen to, uh, that episode about the purple Testament. I, I believe, uh, Richard bear and somebody else, like they ended up in a plane crash the day that this episode aired the, of the purple Testament. And it's like, they had to swim to shore. It was like a weird night where it's like, Hey, this episode about a soldier that could predict that, like, unfortunately predict the deaths of others the night they were flying and their plane crashed, if I remember right. It was weird. That's insane. Yeah. I did not know that. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I might not be remembering that, right? It's been a few years. But anyway, uh, that's it for our trivia. Um, what, the twist? Like, is there a tw- like, can we just do a twist? I don't know. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing on the show, right? Twist? do the twist yeah right i don't know we're like uh, so the twist is based on one in five uh, one out of five like one meaning very predictable five meaning blew blue tops off of our minds that's not how we feel about the episode improper uh but a tv that would uh, show you your past and your future and then halfway through the episode you show yourself killing your wife and then it happens um and then nothing changes i'm gonna give that a one like just none of this surprised me and nothing surprised me in this either. Um, it, it's definitely a one for me. Like, it's it, it's kind of a, a bummer because there's a lot of potential here for yeah. the type of story we could have had. Yeah, uh, in which we've already talked about, but we didn't get any of that. And, uh, <laughs> nope, that, that not at all. That's fine. That's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for our discussion about uh, what's in the box. Um, I mean, if you guys prefer a better statement of what's in the box, um, watch seven. Because you find out what's in the box. There. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Watch that. Be- better, better twists there. And you find out what's in the box. <laughs> uh, before we get to uh, what we're doing next, uh, you guys can find us on Facebook at Strange Highways. Uh, and you can email us directly at Strange Highways Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and, and Terry, where else can people find us? Guess what, people? We are still on Instagram. And we were waiting for you to come follow us and yeah. like the dumb pictures that we're posting. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're having a lot of fun on there. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are not completely with the, uh, you know, the Facebook and app, but check us out on Instagram. You know, it's a, we're having a good time over there. And like Paul always says, uh, th- those likes or those reviews that we would get on any of the, the platforms that helps so much. Yeah. It pushes the algorithm. Um, and then it would show, it would show other people that uh, they're trying to watch channel 10, like maybe we're out there. I don't know, but you know, the more, the merrier, if you like this, like our discussion, like our show recommend it to people. I mean, I know we're, we're coming out post uh, pandemic and maybe you're going outside. Maybe you listen to us while you're outside now, as opposed to while you're inside. Yeah, I don't know. I got a lot of people are getting active and going out there and taking walks and going yeah. on jogging and that listen to us get up in your ear holes. <laughs> and I, and I do feel bad that, um, this is going to be the last episode we're actually going to put out before Netflix removes the twilight zone, the, the five, the four seasons they have up. So it's seasons one, one, two, three, and then five, uh, as of June 1st, um, it's gone from Netflix, which is a bummer. I, I just think because of the Paramount Plus thing, like all the licenses are not being renewed. Um, you know, if that's how you watch the, the the Twilight Zone, I think it's still available via Hulu. If not, Paramount Plus. Uh, you know, and if you have other people who like the show, uh, you know, just recommend it. Again, we 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 love having the conversation. Even even the episodes that aren't good, like 
this one, you know, whatever. Uh, please uh, recommend it, uh, rate and review us. We always appreciate that. Yeah, and check out some of our older episodes too. Uh, you know, go listen to the Purple Testament uh, episode, Nick. Yeah, Nick of Time episode, or or a most Those unusual camera because I believe I just I want to believe that was the episode that we found out about. Um, what was it? One of England's most famous racehorses named Hyperion like passed away that week, and like England lost their mind. <laughs> so. R.I.P. Hyperion. That's what I want to say about Always that. in our hearts. <laughs> and if you want to watch more episodes where people just fall out of windows randomly, I can't recommend a most unusual camera uh, more because this head too, that one has more than that. And how everybody ends up out that window is confusing to me and I love it. <laughs> so yeah, check out those episodes. I recommend things for us to cover. Uh, that'd be a lot of fun too. Uh, next episode we're covering here on um, Strange Highways in regards to the Twilight Zone is called The Masks. So let Serling uh, tell us about that. And now, Mr. Serling. Next on Twilight Zone, we move into New Orleans for the Mardi Gras. And we do it with a vengeance. Robert Keith and Milton Seltzer appear in a bizarre story of men, masquerades, and masks. This is a small shocker to wind up a week. And if it doesn't send you to a psychiatrist, it'll send you at least to a mirror. On Twilight Zone next, The Masks. Or out a window suddenly without and you know, without warning. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> to a psychiatrist, man, I mean, Rod is like uh, laying the groundwork. I've, for me. I've seen some of the images from this episode. It looks really creepy, so I'm hoping it lives up to it. Yeah, it's a highly rated on IMDb, so I'm stoked. Yeah. So, all right. So uh, that's going to do it for us this week. I hope you guys have a good week. Have a safe week. Uh, stay away from windows. Uh, stay away from TV. That's not true. We all love TV. Um, like if you're going to watch wrestling, just stay away from channel 10. And also like, uh, I don't know, don't cheat on your spouse. That seems like a pretty good thing to do. Yeah. And, and uh, if you really love them, don't feed them corrugated cardboard. TV land, you know, country boy's not joshing it when he tells you that this sale ain't gonna be going on much longer. Cause fast we move them in now, we're gonna herd them out. We buy them by the herd, we sell them by the herd. Oh, for you folks up town, that's called volume buying. <laughs> well, now, shucks. About all country boy can do with a buck or two he makes on a sale is to keep the lights on and pay the ranch hands. Now, you know that old country boy shoots straight with you. I mean, he tells you right now if in any of his beauties comes up lame. Will you take this little filly right here? I'm not talking, if this one. Would...